You're listening to episode 62 of the Journey to Launch podcast, how Allison and Matt left their jobs behind to travel the USA in a van. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. This is episode 62. And I think this episode would be a good follow up to my last episode, episode 61, where I talked about quitting my corporate job. And so on today's episode, we have on Allison and Matt Owen from the blog and great YouTube channel, owenyourfuture.com. And they also took a leap. They left their nice nine to five, comfortable, well-paying jobs as engineers to travel across the country, basically in a bright red Sprinter van that they call Clifford. And they are just traveling the US. And I was intrigued by their story. And it's interesting. So just a little backstory on how I actually met Allison. So we're all in the FinCon community, the FinCon group that I'm in. And I remember someone posted something about leaving their job or wanting to quit their job. And this might have been a few months ago. And Allison, among a couple other people, kind of responded to that post and I responded to it and said, you know, I'm thinking about leaving my job too. We should start a leave your job support group. And at that time, Allison still had her job. I still had my job and there were a couple other women in the group and we had one call. So we were supposed to have multiple calls, but we had one call because we're like, let's just all get together. Let's talk about this goal of wanting to quit and how we can make that happen. And I specifically remember talking to Allison and her being very afraid of leaving the cushy income behind. And I understood that because it was like she was also in the FI movement. She wants to reach financial independence. And her thing was they're making so much money together, her and her husband. So to walk away, leave that behind to quit their jobs is very risky. And I'm just ecstatic that she actually took that leap. And I find it just so crazy that I also took that leap too. And now I'm able to now share her story and her husband's story about how they are now making their own way in the world. With Allison and Matt, we're going to talk about what life looked like before traveling in this van, what they did, how hard it was for them to walk away, or if it wasn't hard at all to walk away from this income that they had, how they prepared financially to do this. For four years, they saved 70% of their income and what they're actually doing on the road, what their plans are. And I really like bringing on different types of stories because initially when I think about my life, I can't see myself living in a van traveling across the country. My initial thought is, oh no, I could never do that. But I love talking to people because when you talk to people and you actually hear the specifics of their situation, how they're going about it, I find that I just get encouraged. I get inspired to do things differently because you realize that there are people out there doing what they want. They are taking these leaps. They are getting rid of societal norms and doing what they want. And so I feel always inspired by things like that. Before we hop into the interview, just some housekeeping. 
I'm going to, at the end of this episode, talk a little bit about some changes, not changes necessarily, but some things I'd like to add to the podcast. And so one of them will be that I want to share more on my journey. So what's kind of going on with myself and Journey to Launch. So now that you know I'll quit my job, this doesn't mean that I'm not continuing on my FI path. And I want to share with you just some things uh, throughout the journey. So I'll do that at the end of the episode. And if you guys like it, I'll continue to do just like a personal Journey to Launch Jamila update at the end though. So I want to get into the content first. And then for those of you who want to know, stick around, you can stick around and hear all that in the end. Another big update. I am so happy to announce that Journey to Launch was nominated at the Plutus Awards this year for Podcast of the Year. And I just can't believe that. And also on top of that, I was nominated for Community Builder. So Community Builder means that this award is really you. It's the fact that I was able to rally you guys to support you guys in this movement and you support me in return. And now we are a community and people are noticing and people are joining in. And it's so exciting that this idea that I had now is really, really picking up and coming into the light. It's happening and getting acknowledged. So just happy and thank you everyone who nominated me. So again, Journey to Launch got nominated for Podcast of the Year and Community Builder. So, so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Also, remember, if you are listening to this, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts at Purple App, but you can listen to this anywhere. So you can find it on journeytolaunch.com slash episode 62. There you'll be able to find all the places you can listen to the podcast, just in case you wanna share this with someone. And also, don't forget to tag me on social media as Journey to Launch. So if you have a comment, question, feedback, you can hit me up there. Don't forget to also join the Facebook community. I love to communicate and just chat with you more, journeytolaunch.com slash community. Okay, let's hop into this conversation with Allison and Matt Owen. Hey, Journeyers, super excited to bring to you this conversation with Matt and Allison Owen. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Jamila. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because you are living a very off the beaten path, I'd say, life than what most of us listening have experienced. And I want you to share that with us. You're about that van life, right? You're living out of a van. <laughs> yes. And we're living out of a van by choice. <laughs> right. I was going to say you're living out of a van because you want to, not because some people are forced to do that if they're homeless or right. have fallen on bad times. And I'm just so interested in your story. And you guys have an awesome YouTube channel that documents your journey of living in a van because you want to. And I want to talk through that. I want to talk to what led you to this point. You both were making a lot of money in your careers as engineers living the life for the most part, right? And then you've changed, you pivoted to this life of just doing whatever you want. So I want to talk about that. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Where do we start? <laughs> we start back when we were living in Bakersfield, California, which yeah. is where we're from. Me and Ali both worked as engineers for oil and gas companies. So I was a mechanical engineer. I was a petroleum engineer. And we had been doing that about four and a half years or five years when we decided to make the leap into this unconventional van life. Mm -hmm. 
before you even thought about saving or making such a transition, you were working and making good money. So what prompted you to start thinking to yourself, hey, this is not really what I want to do. Let me start saving and investing more. So we had planned on trying to reach FI, financial independence. Matt had done all these spreadsheets and we had allotted 10 years of work. And we both just looked at each other after about three and a half years and we were like, we can't do this anymore. We didn't really enjoy where we were living. We were really into the outdoors. There was not a lot of outdoors things to do. And Matt was working 12 hour days with an hour commute each way. And it was just really draining on our lives. And we knew we wanted to do something entrepreneurial. We kind of felt like a little tug at our minds and our hearts to pivot. So we started looking into what kind of businesses we can create and ended up starting a couple businesses. And now we are still living off our savings in our mini retirement, but we're hoping that these businesses will grow to be able to support us so we don't ever have to go back to our jobs. Right. Now, how old are you guys? 28. 28. So you started this, you said it's been three and a half years, four years? Probably. Yeah. So I started work at 23. It took me like five years to finish my bachelor's degree for engineering. Mm -hmm. And then when we first started, I'd say we were very typical of high-income earners. We made a lot of money, but we also spent everything that we made. Mm-hmm. And it was only after I started dating Allison. I think I was actually the more frugal one of the two. But somehow she stumbled along Mr. Money Mustache and shared it with me. And it really just struck a chord with me and really opened my eyes to what was possible, especially since we did have higher than average incomes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we really launched hard into just saving and reducing expenses, trying to hit that magic FI number. Mm. As Ali described, as we got closer and closer, I think our confidence built a little bit as well as we Mm. had more money in the bank. And we're like, you know, why do we have to wait an extra five years to have this life that we want? Can we kind of find a way to design it and build it so that we can live it now and have faith in ourselves that we can make it work? We can make up the rest of the money or the businesses will be generating enough income that we can live this lifestyle forever and do something that we love. Right. I actually love that because one, you mentioned Mr. Money Mustache. I feel like that's the gateway drug. (laughs) Seriously, he is. (laughs) I found, I think him, I found the Mad Scientist podcast first, and then it kind of leads you down this path, this rabbit hole of (laughs) more people and just more ideas. And you get so motivated that you find that there are people doing this. So you guys, you hear about this. And I kind of had this epiphany too, where I said, wait a second, there are people doing this. They're not even making probably maybe as much as I am and they're able to do it. So you said, okay, we're going to make some changes. So what did you start to do differently with your finances to get you to save? Because I saw you said you saved 70% of your income at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're usually between like 70 and 80% almost. Yeah. Most months. Once we got a little more optimized. Initially, we were spending a lot of money going out to eat on travel and then we were renting Loading. a house. When we first got together, we were renting two houses, right? Like she yeah. had an apartment and I was sharing a room in a house with other roommates. We ended up buying a house and renting out all of the rooms in our house. So our cost of living was essentially zero. Yeah. And I think that was really huge for mm-hmm. us. It's like a $20,000 a year swing in, yeah. in your expenses to go from paying $2,000 a month for some rent to having it all covered by roommates. And we ended up making a lot of friends through our roommates. And it was actually a really good experience for us. I know that may not be possible for everyone, given their family situation, but especially 
younger people who may not have a family and a need for as much space, I definitely mm-hmm. recommend looking into like the house hack situation because I think it made a really, really big difference for us. Yeah, starting to learn more about travel hacking and how to optimize our travel to still have awesome, great experiences, but just do it for less money yeah. was big because we were really big into travel and obviously experiences over things, which mm-hmm. is kind of what led us to the lifestyle we're living now. Mm-hmm. We also realized we were having two cell phones. Like we had a work paid for a cell phone and then we had our own personal cell phone. And so we canceled our personal cell phone plans and just stuck with the work phone plan mm-hmm. and little things that added up. Yeah. And it was definitely yeah. a process. Like it took mm-hmm. us three and a half years before we left. Every year we spent less than we did the year before. Mm-hmm. And we just kept finding things that we could make changes. And some changes obviously take time, like buying a house and renting it mm-hmm. out. And it definitely didn't happen overnight, but it was kind of just constant discussion between us around how we could more align our life with our goals and where we wanted to be. I love that. And I love that you attacked it from the big items in your budget. So housing and then the smaller stuff. So cell phones and going out to eat and putting a limit on that. Those items really do make an impact. And so for you guys, you guys are now on this path. And then you realize that, wait a second, I also call this the gift and the curse, right? So you're on this path. (laughs) It's great that you learned about it. You're making some progress in your savings and investing. Your accounts are growing. But I also feel like because you know what's on the other side, it almost feels like, wait a second, I have to do this for how many more years? So it sounds like you guys were getting very unhappy and impatient on the journey. So what was the thought process of saying to yourself, okay, we're not going to continue on this path the same way that we're doing. We're going to do something different because we can't do this any longer. What was that about? How did you go about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. When we first got together and we got introduced to the concept of financial independence, I remember a discussion between me and Allison where she said, hey, we should just like quit our jobs for a year and travel and come back to them. And I was like, why would I quit this job? It's providing this future for us, right? And then here I am three and a half years later, I was like, let's quit. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt is definitely much more of a planner and much more his risk tolerance, I would say, is lower than mine. Like, And his tolerance for uncertainty is lower than mine. I would quit my job with $20,000 in the bank and be like, cool, I'm going to travel for like a year and a half on this. Like, I'll be fine. I'll figure it out. And Matt's much more like, we don't want to just quit our jobs and then have to go back to work right away or feel the stress of Mm -hmm. not having money to pay for things. And so I think it reached a breaking point about like last year, right after we got married and we were just like, life is really short. And I think our mental health was struggling a little bit, anxiety and depression. And we were just feeling really stuck in Bakersfield where we were living and we just needed to make a change. Yeah. I mean, we had some external things happen. There was some drama in our friend group after the wedding and that kind of made us feel a little bit more lonely, I think, at least in the town that we were living in. I had some changes at my work, got reassigned Mm -hmm. to a different position. I wasn't enjoying as much. So there are definitely some other impetuses as well that kind of pushed us to really start evaluating, okay, what would it look like to leave our jobs now Mm -hmm. versus waiting another four to five years to build up our investment nest egg? I would imagine too that you also come across this thought process of you guys are very... I'm not going to say lucky because I'm sure you guys have worked hard to be able to earn the income that you earned when you were working. 
But you also feel kind of just like there are so many other people who would love to be earning that much and be in your position. Oh, yeah. And I feel this way. And I'm just like, well, and here I am feeling like I can't do this anymore. I want to give it all up because I'm not happy. So you kind of get this thought of a lot of people won't understand this thought of giving that up. So if you told anyone like family and friends, and did you get pushback of this path that you wanted to take that they were like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Yeah, we did. Well, I did. I wouldn't say Matt really did. It was my family. Someone in my family told me that it was hard to watch me self-destruct. Oh, (laughs) it was a little dramatic. Uh, I was like, I mean, come on. I'm not like a drug addict. But I think it's understanding where they're coming from and the lens that they view the world through and the expectations that they have for me is not my responsibility. I'm an adult now and I can choose what I expect of myself and blaze the path for myself and having empathy for where they're at and understanding that they might not understand and that's okay and I'm going to still love them and I'm going to still have them part of my life and it's not going to be like a huge drama or anything. It's just going to be, okay, well, you don't approve of me. That's okay. We're still family. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase, the expectations of others is not my responsibility. That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I was really expecting to see some, especially with my coworkers and yeah, other people that were kind of in a similar situation. But I was really surprised that everyone was super supportive and everyone was like, oh, I kind of wish I had done that. Yeah. And everyone kind of almost had like this remorse that they wish they had done something similar. Or a lot of people expressed like, oh, it's so great you can do that, but I could never do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're working at the same company, like very much like <laughs> very similar and yeah all respects. So it's like people think it's out of reach for them, but it's really not. It's really just about how they prioritize and kind of what Ali said about their values. Mm-hmm. They see it through their own lens. And if they don't really value these experiences and travel and this lifestyle of time freedom mm-hmm. and location freedom, then they just don't get it quite. Yeah. Like it doesn't compute when they think about whether it's real for them. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that whole concept of when people are looking at you or judging your life, it's based on their own experiences and their value system. And what I also find interested in is even in the financial independent space or people who are even savvy with finances, they can look at you and say, but still, if you just work for another four or five years, you'd be okay. Why take that break? And I find that if you're in a job that you don't mind and that you're happy in, that's fine. That works, right? But if you're at a point where you're spending 90%, 80% of your day doing something you don't love or enjoy, that mental drawdown that mental health is vital for your safety to get to a better point. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely a point we had reached and we're just like, we're not happy doing this anymore. And we have enough that we can support ourselves to at least take this leap, have some faith in ourselves. And worst case scenario, we'll go get some jobs and we'll be a few (laughs) years behind where we would have been if we had stayed the whole time. But we also have this great experience to look back on and we'll have learned a lot and grown a lot through the experience as well. So the risk of not doing it seemed pretty small once we really kind of looked at it through that lens. Yeah. Right. It's almost like staying in the position or staying on that course is more unbearable than taking the risk and seeing what happens, right? Like I totally, totally can relate to you. So one thing I wanted to touch upon is that you said that you first started, you were going to maybe take a 10, 15 year journey to financial independence. You find out a few years in that you don't want to spend that much time. You want to live life now. So at that point you decided that you wanted to change things up, did you then say, hey, I'm going to like quit tomorrow? Or did you like spend another couple months or a year changing your investment strategies? So 
we didn't really change our investment strategies, I would say. But we did start looking into what type of businesses we would want to create and took some courses online and start figuring out what we'd want to do about a year before. But in terms of like cash to investment ratio, we actually don't have that much in cash. We have most of our savings and investments. We also can take that risk too because we don't have kids. And so we can go work at McDonald's tomorrow (laughs) if we need to in the parking lot that we're at right now. I can go get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And our expenses are so low that if something happened where our investments tanked, we would be able to figure it out. Yeah, we really didn't shift anything too much. Like we have mostly all index funds, right? As most in the FI community are familiar with. But yeah, I have a pension that I could draw from at work if like I really needed to. That's more of kind of like a bond type asset. So we have probably a year to a year and a half in cash. Mm-hmm. And then we're really hoping that by that time we have some income coming in from the businesses. So we left everything else just in securities in yeah. and hopes that, that would grow. But yeah, if like worst case scenario, it tanked and we had to withdraw from it, that would be a shame. But I don't think that will happen with the runway that we currently have. So at least we're hoping not. So it sounds like you have a year and a half saved in cash, but you guys, before making this jump, you invested, I'm assuming, in your pre-tax retirement accounts and in taxable accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were maxing out 401ks at work. We were too high of income to to have a Roth IRA. So some people choose to do like a backdoor Roth conversion and some options like that. We found that we were putting enough in there and we're so young that by the time we were going to retire, we'd have more than enough in our tax advantage accounts. So it's something that I actually recommend people to look at now if they're looking at early retirement is you don't want to have all of your money in a tax advantage account if you're going to retire before you can get to it. So we found that we actually needed to balance that out with more taxable account and brokerage type investments. Mm Mm-hmm. And that year and a half of savings now, it's like your FU money. That's your runway that we talk mm-hmm. about in the financial independence community, where now it allows you to do what you did. So let's talk about what you did, because that's part of your transition, because now you guys are traveling the United States or North America in a van. So mm-hmm. why a van? Why not travel the world <laughs> or do something else? Talk about that decision to do a van kind of life. There was a lot of discussion as we were figuring out like, okay, what do we want our life to look like? And we knew it involved travel. We had been watching Sailing La Vagabond on YouTube. Yeah. And we're like, oh, we're going to get a sailboat and sail around the world because we both are into scuba diving. And we thought that would be just amazing. Or we were like, we'll move to Colombia where the cost of living is super low and we'll retire there. We won't even have to <laughs> work anymore. But we realized with our businesses, we want to be in the U.S. for next year so that we can really grow our businesses and focus on those. And so then we were starting to look at RVs and went to an RV dealer, realized that RVs get like eight to 10 miles per gallon. And we were like, oh my gosh, gas is going to be so expensive because we wanted to travel a lot. And so that's when we started looking into a diesel RV, which they only make in the past three years, they've only made them. And those are 60K. The ones we were looking at. Yeah, yeah. the diesel ones. Yeah, yeah, we looked at the newer diesel RV yeah. on like the Ford Transit, which is pretty new. Mm-hmm. And then the only other like, really good gas mileage RVs are built on a Mercedes Sprinter chassis. And those are all like $90,000, like yeah. even used. So we, I think we found van life on YouTube. Yeah. Again, like just browsing around looking for travel videos and stuff like that. 
And we ended up, we have a Mercedes Sprinter. So yeah. it's not quite as big as the RV version, but... We just bought, there is like a work van that was empty shell, just like a metal van. And then we converted the inside completely, added a kitchen, a bed. The bed converts to a table during the day, added a sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got plumbing yeah. and storage for all of our stuff. We Solar have a panels. Wood-burning stove to keep us warm in Colorado this winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nice. You have a, a YouTube video that shows that, and I'll link that in the show notes for this episode so people can go look at it. How much was the van itself? And then how much did it cost to change it? Yeah. So, I mean, that was really the big reason we chose to do the van over the RV. Yeah. Like, we had the Mercedes Sprinter option, which was like $90,000. The Ford Transit option, which was like $60,000. And we started looking at vans and we ended up buying this van. It's a 2006 and it has 400,000 miles on it. (laughs) And we bought it for $9,000. And then we immediately put in $4,000 worth of engine work into it. Because it has 400,000 miles. (laughs) Because it has 400,000 miles on it. Um, So yeah, that brought us up to like 13,000 for the van. uh And then we spent just over $8,000 doing the inside. And it took us about six weeks. So probably like four weeks of us full time. So obviously we didn't pay anyone to do any work on it. Yeah. So if you paid labor, it'd be quite a bit of money. But since I, me and Allie did it ourselves, it was free. So all in all, we're like 21 to $22,000 for the van. And it gets like 20 miles to the gallon. And that's another thing. So I'm assuming you guys are now traveling around the United States, North America, getting better gas mileage. I'm thinking if you probably go to cities like where you are now, you said you were before we started recording, you're in a parking lot of a McDonald's in Detroit. So yeah. <laughs> you can probably park it anywhere. It's not like I believe with RVs, right? Though you need special permits for some places or if you had like a tiny home or you need permits to park or place those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely with a tiny home or anything like that, there can be really hard to find a spot to put a tiny home. RVs just kind of stand out. And yeah, that's, you're, bigger. More, you're more likely to get bothered by someone who wants you to move it if you're trying to park it at a park or yeah. in a parking lot for an overnight while we're in the city. We try to spend as much time as we can out in nature at free campsites. There's a ton of them out west in BLM and National Forest Land. It's a little bit harder on the East Coast, but We've been able to make it work. We've only paid for two campsites in the last three months or so that we've been traveling. The best resources, if anyone wants to go camping for free, is freecampsites.net or the app iOverlander. Oh, okay. I'm going to definitely link those guys. So I'm sure people are like, okay, how do I like do some of this? So one thing that stood out to me is that you said you guys didn't pay anyone to do the work. So do you think that's just because of your engineering backgrounds? Because I'm now thinking, let's just say I caught this bug and I'm like, hey, I want to do this. I have no clue how to do any of this. My husband, he's okay, but I think it would take some work to get him up to speed to figure out how to do that. So would you say that because you're engineers, you're able to do most of the work yourselves? Is this something that anyone can do? Or how can someone who doesn't have a clue on where to start go about this? I think anyone can do it if you are confident in that you can figure it out. Matt and I both didn't really have any woodworking experience or any construction experience. Matt was a little more familiar with the electronic side of things just from his schooling. But there's so many resources on YouTube that show you how to pretty much do everything that I think it's accessible to. It's a lot of work, though. I would recommend not doing it in six weeks <laughs> mm-hmm. and not having a timeline that you have to finish it by because that put a lot of stress on us. If we could take our time with it, 
it would be a lot more enjoyable process. Yeah. And yeah, I would agree. I have kind of a natural ability to be able to put stuff yeah. together, but definitely no previous experience in building anything like this before. So I did a ton of research. People's blogs and YouTube were just invaluable. And I think there's just more and more content like that being created. So if you're willing and have the time to do the research, I think anyone can definitely figure out how to do it. And nothing's falling apart yet. How long have you guys been on the road? When did this journey start for you guys? We've been on the road three months now. We left May 30th. So yeah, yeah coming up on three months. Yeah. So how long do you plan on being on the road? Is there an end date or you're just figuring out as you go? So we are planning on spending the winter mostly in Colorado in the Southwest area. Matt's mom lives there too. So we might be in the house a little bit too, but we're kind of planning on sticking around there for the winter till like next April. And then we're not really sure after that. Yeah. We've talked about taking a van, if it's not this van down until South America, we're more concerned about how much this van stands out. It's bright red. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's called Clifford, right? You guys know Clifford. (laughs) (laughs) But we've talked about that. I think that would be really fun. So that's an option. We also might want to travel overseas for a little bit. So we might either sell or just park the van for a while and travel Southeast Asia. So yeah, I mean, it's not set in stone. Things will kind of depend on how our businesses go. That could definitely impact our choice. But the other good thing about building a van ourselves is that when the RVs we were looking at, we were thinking of like, oh, if we wanted to resell it in a year, would we lose money on it. And for the most part, yes, buying an RV, especially a new RV, it's like a car, you would lose money on it, like 20 grand the next year or something. And with our van, I think we'll actually make money when we sell it. Not a ton, maybe five grand. But having that in our mind makes it be like, okay, well, we can sell it and not feel like we're losing money or it it was like an investment kind of, but we also spent six weeks of our time doing it. Recovered some of the labor. Yeah. Right. Now, in terms of where you guys have been, so you started your journey on the West Coast and you've been really all over. You're in Detroit. Where are some of the places you visited so far? Yeah. So right after we finished the van and one of the reasons we had kind of a tight timeline is I had a family reunion on the East Coast in South Carolina. So that started June 9th. So we had 10 days after we finished the van to drive across the country. So we motored that a little bit. And then From there, we've just been traveling up the East Coast. So we stopped in pretty much every state, headed Mm -hmm. up the East Coast, and then been into Canada twice, in New Brunswick and Ontario. Now we're making our way up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and then down to Florida for FinCon. Yeah, so we got (laughs) to... Oh, yes. And for FinCon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So curious, too. Walk us through what a day in a life, or maybe a week, is like living in a van and traveling so much. So everything is harder in a van, like basic, like doing laundry, doing the dishes, cooking, going to the bathroom, (laughs) because we don't have a toilet in our van or a shower. And so we have to kind of plan our day around where we're going to use the shower or if we're going to shower that day or when we're going to do laundry or I mean, we do a lot of fun things, too. (laughs) So we probably spend three or four days of the week doing something fun like hiking or mountain biking. And being like out in nature, like camping. And then the other days of the week, we're normally in a city getting service, like trying to do some work or getting those errands done, like doing grocery shopping, laundry, showers, those kinds of things. Okay. So I have to ask, where do you guys shower and use the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) So Planet Fitness is where we shower. 
And it's $20 a month for both of us to have a gym membership. And they're all over the country. So that's been really convenient. And they're super clean. We've been really impressed. Mm-hmm. Bathrooms, if we're not camping, like if, if we're camping, it's like nature. But if we're in the cities like McDonald's, like we're in McDonald's parking lot right now, public restrooms. We've also caught up with some friends and family mm-hmm. along the way too. So we've used their showers and their laundry machines. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the technical stuff like that, the little things that one are just important to know. And I think anyone listening like myself, we're just always curious of, yes, it's like sounds lovely to travel, you know, and go anywhere. But then what about the little things? So even what about your relationship? So as you guys are now in like close quarters together all the time, how has that been for your overall communication style and relationship? I mean, I think it's definitely grown us <laughs> living nice in 60 square it. feet <laughs> because we're constantly in the same space. You have to communicate really well. Mm-hmm. It's forced us to really talk things out. Like if somebody is unhappy about something or if something's coming up because you can't really escape. So you can't just like go into the other room because yeah. there's only one room. So I think it's really grown our communication and we've become more in tune with each other because of that. But I mean, we've definitely had days where somebody's not feeling well or real cheery and it can (laughs) definitely be a challenge. Yeah, I think it's definitely open the communication. We just have to communicate even when it's uncomfortable and when you don't want to talk to the other person because they're annoying you or they're constantly in your way or something because we do live in a really small space so someone's always in the other person's way (laughs) when they're trying to move Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely definitely grown grown us for sure the whole building the van was a test in and of itself too because that was such a stress on each other individually and then not knowing what we were doing and figure it out as we go and I would say Matt's more of a perfectionist than I am. I would agree. Yeah. (laughs) And and so I'll, you know, just be like, just put it up there. Like, just glue it up. It'll be fine. It'll stay. Thankfully, I didn't build the van because it would have probably fallen apart in the first five minutes of driving away. So there's a good part of perfectionism, but then it also makes him like overthink every move that he made in the van build. And there was some communication breakdowns that had to be addressed also then. Mm Right. But I'm sure you guys compliment each other too. Like those different styles help and are beneficial in a lot of areas. So I'm also curious to know how much it costs to live this kind of life on a monthly basis. Can you break down some of your monthly expenses and what that looks like? Yeah. So we've found it's about the same almost as what we were spending living in the house, but we'd really kind of optimized our finances at that point. So our biggest expenses are groceries and gas usually. And then last month we spent a lot on restaurants, but we visited with a lot of people and it's kind of one of those things you come into town, they kind of feel like it's vacation because you're only there for like a day or two. But then it's kind of our life because we're catching up with people every few days to every week. So it's really easy to end up going out to dinner multiple times a week with people you're visiting. So July spent like 500 bucks on eating out, which is pretty uncharacteristic for us. But at the same time, we decided we have to kind of make allowances for ourselves to enjoy the local city we're in and not be too strict on ourselves for having to maintain this super rigid budget, especially around eating out. 
But overall, we spend like two thousand dollars. Yeah, so it's four hundred bucks a month on groceries. Mm-hmm. It depending, we've been traveling quite a bit, so around like three hundred fifty bucks a month on gas. Insurance for the van is a hundred bucks a month. Our phones are two hundred bucks a month. Um, Our health insurance is like a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. So we've broken it all down in a couple of videos that we've done, and we mm-hmm. plan to continue to do that each month just to kind of fill people in on how much we're spending and over time. But yeah, so far it's worked out to like right around two thousand dollars a month of expenses that are just related to the van. We've had some other expenses that we see as investments in the businesses that we mm-hmm. haven't really included in that. But mm-hmm. even with that, we're spending $3,000-ish a month. Yeah. Right. So what did you guys do for health insurance? Because I know that's another barrier for a lot of people to leaving their jobs, especially if maybe both people want to leave. So what do you do for that? It's a huge question mark. And we did quite a bit of research before we felt comfortable to we ended up with a Christian health sharing company. Mm-hmm. MediShare. And I would say we are very privileged because we don't have any pre-existing conditions. A lot of people can't do MediShare because of that. And we also don't really plan on using it unless there's like a horrible emergency. So we got the highest deductible plan that we have to cover up to $10,000. But it was the cheapest option we looked into. Trying to buy health insurance off the marketplace. Yeah. In California, it was super expensive. It was probably going to be like $850 a month. To continue my health insurance from my company through Cobra was like $1,500 a month. Yeah. And both of us are generally healthy. We went to the doctors a little bit before we left just to get <laughs> some tests done and stuff while we had insurance. Other than that, we rarely use the doctor. So yeah. we decided that that was the best for us, given that we're young and healthy, that if we were in a car accident, we need something to cover us. But outside of that, we can cover any other smaller medical expenses on our own. Yeah. That's good to know, because I'm sure like a lot of people just like, all right, I want to do this or I'm thinking about something similar, but I'm just afraid about the health insurance part of things. Definitely. So you guys are living in the van. You are enjoying yourselves and just taking things as they go. I know you said there was no endpoint before, but you talked about you have some businesses. What exactly are you guys like side hustling, doing? What are you hoping to turn into a real full-time business that earns you some income? Totally. We have a couple businesses. One that is related to your show is we help millennial couples get out of debt. So that's using some of the same principles that we've used to save so much money and pay off debt too. And so we do coaching and have a plan for an e-course coming up soon. Another one is we have a baked goods product that we're still working on. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the reasons we'll be going back to Colorado and trying to stay a little bit more stationary is that we need to do some more like product development for Mm -hmm. our food company. And it's really challenging to do out of the van. Initially, we'd lined up someone to manufacture a product for us and thought we could just have them manufacture and we would do the marketing and that would be that. Yeah. But we launched that about a month ago and didn't get quite as large of a response as we would like. So we think we need to go do some more product development, improve that food product, maybe come out with some additional products. Mm-hmm. Because operating as a one product business, I think is challenging just because you're kind of limited in the offerings yeah. for people. We'll be sitting still and using the kitchen to try to come up with some new stuff. Yeah. And then coaching we can kind of do from wherever, right, which is... Yeah. Nice. Right. Now you have the freedom and the time to focus on things that you're more passionate about. 
So it kind of allows you to explore that. And I would assume now you have a larger skill set now from even just building out this van and doing what you're doing. This can even turn into something else. It can potentially be more than you just doing it for yourself, but perhaps maybe now you can inspire others to do this, help others do it, things like that. Totally. And that's kind of the goal with the YouTube channel Mm -hmm. is just to give people a look into a different life. Because just like when we first encountered Mr. Money Mustache for the first time, you don't even know it's out there and exists until you see it. And then once you see it, it's like some people it's going to resonate with and it's going to click. So we're hoping that like we can be that for other people that can just open their eyes to possibilities that are out there that they may not have been aware of. Yeah. So now someone's listening to this and they're saying, okay, this sounds Matt and Allison, this is like really cool. I kind of want to try this. What type of steps should they make in their finances to prepare themselves for a journey like this? What do you tell them? I think the biggest thing is just prioritizing and planning. Mm -hmm. So if you've decided you want to do this, you've obviously made like travel and experience a priority. And now you just need a plan to execute. So we saved up enough money that we have a comfortable runway that we're comfortable operating in. And then we have our businesses, which is kind of our mid-tier plan. Mm-hmm. After we're done spending some savings, hopefully the businesses are generating enough revenue to keep us going indefinitely. And then plan C, maybe D or E is like, go back to work, get some <laughs> jobs. So there's always another fallback plan back there. of Okay, what are we going to do if this doesn't work? I think also for anyone out there listening that wants to do something like this, understand your habits around money and your money roots, I guess. Maybe if you are overspending, why are you overspending and dig deep into those? Because it's easy to tell someone you need a budget and you need to cut your expenses and you need to save more. But actually doing that, everyone knows how to work out. Everyone knows they need to go to the gym and they need to eat clean to lose weight. But actually doing it is the hard part. And There was also the gap for us that we didn't even realize that there was this other alternative life that we could be living. Surrounding yourself with content like yours, Jamila, that encourages and inspires people to live the life that they want, whatever that means to them. That makes sense. That was kind of ramble. but (laughs) (laughs) No, that was good. That was good. And you know why? Because I feel like that to me is what this is all about is that you could be listening and be like, all right, I'm definitely not going to live in a van. Right. But it can just allow you to say, wow, there are so many possibilities out there. There are so many ways in which I can live my life, my best life, not based on what other people think and what my family or my coworkers think. But what do I want out of life? And I love when you can hear from other people who are doing that, who are living their lives on their own terms, because I think it gives you the courage and you the permission to say, okay, what about me? What about my life? So I hope that if you're listening to this, this gives you some encouragement. Obviously, Allison and Matt, you guys, you don't have kids. So it's a little bit different. Like I have kids. So when I think about a scenario like this, it's a bit different for me. I say, okay, probably won't live in a van with three of my kids and my husband, but there are (laughs) other things we can do, right? And I just encourage anyone listening to this is to think about, how they can take the same courage and planning and apply it to their own life and forge their own path. There's this family that I follow on Instagram. They're the Mayas team, like M-A-Y-E-S and then team. And they have four kids. So they're a family of six and they live in a school bus and they self-converted the school bus themselves. Families even do it too. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of 
a lot of schooly conversions as well. Yeah. It's a really cool community we found yeah. to be involved in. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. And it's like one of those things, if someone's interested, like they'll find you, then they'll probably end up finding some more people and they'll fall down that rabbit hole to kind of see what things they can take from different families or people doing this. So that's pretty cool. Totally. And yeah. different people will speak to different people based on where they are in life or what their values are and stuff. So, yeah. All right, cool. So where can people find you if they want to watch your channel and learn more about you? Our YouTube channel is Owen Your Future. Owen is our last name and it's a take on like own your future. And our website is OwenYourFuture.com and our Instagram is OwenYourFuture. All the same. So make it easy. (laughs) The van has its own Instagram, right? It's like Clifford the van. We actually stopped posting on Clifford the Van and now we're just own your future because we were thinking we, we aren't going to stay in the van forever. So we want to like brand it more right? generally, not the van. Okay, that's right. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes so people can reach out. But thanks so much again, Matt and Allison. You're welcome. Thank you yeah, so much for having us. us. This is fun. Yeah, it was fun. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Allison and Matt. I really thought they just kept it all the way real with the life that they're living now and that change that they made to be able to do this. And I understand that for a lot of people, the first maybe mental block that comes up if you're not earning a lot of money is how can I do something like that? Obviously, they were able to get ahead and save a lot because they were earning a lot of money and they're a couple, right? So there are two of them. And I just don't want people who don't have that to feel totally discouraged. Does it help to earn a lot of money? Yes. Does it help to have a partner who's on board? Obviously, yes. But I don't think that these things are necessarily impossible if you don't have those things. Now, will it be harder? Maybe a bit, right? Like you will have to work a bit harder because you have to save more or you have more to overcome, but it's not impossible. So I hope you got something from Allison and Matt's story and that from hearing their story, hearing my story last week, how and why I quit inspires you to really plan and go after your dreams. So just a little bit more. So I said I was going to introduce this new segment, I guess you can say, on the podcast where I'm just sharing more personally about my journey. And I want to just share the feedback that I got last week. So this episode, when it was released, episode 61, and I said I quit my job, I was really nervous because I just didn't know how it would be received. I knew that you guys probably wanted to hear what was going on because I was not talking about my savings rate or what I was doing uh, in a lot of the past episodes. And I'm just overjoyed, overwhelmed with all the love and support that you guys have shown me. You guys and your encouraging words, you really lift me up and put faith behind me. I have faith in myself and what I can do, but really you guys help a lot in terms of making me realize that I am on the right path because you're getting content that you're enjoying, you are getting inspired, and you're also getting actionable tips. So I don't only wanna inspire you. I love that I'm inspiring you, but I also want to help move you to action and to provide you actionable tips, which is why I try to bring on different experts and different points of view on the podcast so you can cherry pick what may work for you. And even if one person's story is not totally relatable, if you can pull one nugget, one thing out of a person's story that you can apply to your life, then it's all worth that hour that you're listening to the podcast. I also wanted to talk about being home. So I'm home now working typically from 
home and I'd say it's not been easy. I had my baby in May and I don't know what I was thinking in terms of I had all these goals of what I wanted to do. Like I said, I would have my membership ready by September, but (laughs) obviously that did not happen because I had the baby. It wasn't easy. Everyone was home. So I had my four-year-old home, my two-year-old home, the baby was home, obviously, and then my husband was home. And even though my aunt was still here, she actually had took off a whole month. So she wasn't here for the whole month. So we were really just on our own, doing our thing. It was hard to get actual work done with the different schedules and sleeping patterns. And recently, my daughter went on a bottle strike. So I'm breastfeeding her. And even though I was pumping and giving her milk in bottles here and there, even I went to podcast movement. She had the bottle the whole time I was gone, but she just went on strike. So she's no longer taking the bottle. So that also has added a layer of complication to what I can get done because I never can go too far without her. And if I do go somewhere, I'm typically taking her. And so even if I'm in the home working in the summertime, at least it was having to make sure she's okay, she's fed. And then if I give her back to maybe my husband or my aunt to try and get some work done, then the four or two-year-old wants or needs something and then I wanna be present for them. So it was just a lot. And now that I'm back into the swing of things or I'm trying to get into the swing of things, it's September, school is starting. And so we'll see how this all works and pans out. But I know that organization and a schedule And really just focusing is going to be important for me to get any work done because I can easily see how the days just go by and the hours just go by and being interrupted and not being able to get into some deep work will not help me get things done. So my biggest challenge at this point is being graceful with my journey and myself at this point. I do have small children Two of them are still in the home. Only one is going to school. And it's still hard, even though I have someone helping me, to get work done. And I just need to buckle down and create a schedule. And I probably will start leaving the house to try and work once my daughter, once we can kind of break her from this bottle strike that she's on. So I just found that interesting that even though I'm home, it doesn't mean like, oh, now I'm getting eight to nine interrupted hours of work. No, 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 that's not happening. I'm still finding myself actually working late nights because they go to bed at around eight o'clock if I'm lucky, everyone. And then I'm able to work, really work uninterrupted until whenever. And so it's interesting that I'm still finding myself staying up late, <laughs> hoping to change that as I get into a schedule. The show notes for this episode can be found at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 62. Once again, if you want to connect and talk more about this episode, hit me up on social media. I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also join the Facebook community at journeytolaunch.com slash community. All right, journeyers, until next week, keep on journeying. <laughs>